Hey, Foundry Church, we're so excited to dive in today and really look at the Word of God and grow together. Uh, throughout this series, we've been talking about the idea of having a bag that we pack and is ready uh, with the essential things we need in it for the journey ahead, right? For this, this walk of faith that we're on and the essentials that we need to pack with us. I've got such a fun story. Uh, it's one of my favorites uh, Kyle is flashing a picture up of it right now of a time when when we overpack a bag. I remember uh, Isabella, uh, well, our whole family, but this story kind of has Bella at the forefront because as you see in that picture, her bag was pretty tall. It was an adult backpack, but it was a smaller one, but we had really stuffed it full. Everything we needed uh, for 26 days was in uh, four backpacks and one little uh, space trolling behind little wheel thing uh, for little E. And um, and so you can see, like, she's pretty young at this age. And we were leaving and we were, we were heading across the English Channel. So we had to go to a few different train stations. And we went into London and we got uh, on the tube, the underground, the subway there, and we got to Paddington Station where we would leave from Paddington and head out to uh, Portsmouth to catch our ferry. And there was this enormous... Um, set of stairs. It was an escalator. And it was like, I mean, you fall down this thing, you're falling for like a week. It was just so long. And um, we're headed up the stairs. And I, I think I was in the front. And then there was Josh. And you always forget when you have a big backpack and it's like right in someone's face, you know. And we're standing there. And Erica said, Bella was standing there. And she's like, with her little backpack. And all of a sudden, she's like, Mama? Mama, and it just started pulling her back. And then Erica had to like put her hand out and push her back upright and hold her. It was it was so heavy. We had loaded her down like a little, just like like small one, just too much to carry. Um, and we had loaded her down and she was like tipping back, Mama, Mama, you know, her her gaze is going up. And and thankfully Erica was there to catch her because her pack was just too heavy. When we look at today's teaching, I want you to think with me of having this bag, right? But not just with your essentials. Maybe we're carrying some things in it that are really heavy and they don't belong. Not just little things like a kimono that we don't need, but really heavy things that weigh us down and really interrupt the, the journey of faith. It can bring us to a standstill. It can even cause us to fall backwards. The thing I'm talking about is carrying with us unforgiveness, not forgiving people. When we look at forgiveness, we realize that unforgiveness is a burden. And Jesus said it this way, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. What does that mean? It means in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven which is wonderful, and the burden of sin is lifted from us. But there is a counter to that. There is another side to that. Forgiven should equal forgiving. We have to be people who forgive. One of the hallmarks of the Christian life is people who are forgiving. And we're going to unpack 
ironically, to lighten the load. This idea of forgiveness, and we're going to look at the Gospel of John, we're going to look in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to look first and foremost into Proverbs, which we've been working through. And it says this in Proverbs, and when we look at this, we have to know that God values forgiveness so highly God values it in our lives that we express and forgive others freely as we were forgiven. So when we look at this, what we know is God's value on forgiveness is weighty. When we go back and look at like our grace series, when we talk about forgiveness and what God did in freeing us from our sin, but also what God called us to in being people who understand that as we were freely forgiven in Christ, we should forgive others. Living in that ethic of forgiveness really, really matters. And in Matthew uh, chapter six, verse 15, it says, Jesus says, if you do not forgive others their sins, Your father will not forgive your sins. So let's talk for a minute from Proverbs of what that would look like. In Proverbs, it says it this way. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of wrongdoing. What what does that mean? I think it's interesting. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers a multitude of wrongs. So what love is, forgiveness is in many ways love in action. Any great relationship has a lot of forgiveness in it because people make mistakes and they hurt each other accidentally, sometimes intentionally, and there is forgiveness that keeps a relationship together. So let's look at a really, really beautiful glimpse of forgiveness in action. Um, I want you to picture something with me. I want you to kind of go somewhere with me. I want you to imagine being on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And it's hot, and it's dusty, and it's just the early morning, and the heat's starting to build, and Jesus is there, and suddenly... This story comes out of John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Um, Suddenly a crowd approaches Jesus. So he's on the temple mount, and this crowd's approaching him, and all the people gathered around him to listen to him teach. And he begins teaching, and suddenly a different crowd comes, and they are bringing with them a woman who had been caught in adultery. Now I want you to think with me. The temple is a busy place. Jesus is getting a lot of attention from people up there. And there's this woman, and you can imagine her clothing is disheveled, her hair is disheveled, her eyes are puffy and red. She's ashamed. She's caught in sin, which by the the law, like the Torah, um, she is guilty of and she is deserving of death. And they are going to put her to death by stoning her. And they gather around her. And then the Pharisees and the religious religious elite bring her to Jesus and they ask this question. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses, he commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They think they have Jesus between a rock and a hard place. It says this, that Jesus just kind of, it doesn't say he hiked up his robes, but he had to, kind of hikes up his robe and starts scribbling with his finger in the dirt. Super awkward response. And everybody's kind of like, what is he doing? 
What is he doing? And this poor woman who's been caught in adultery, we're, we're like, you just feel such grief for her and shame for her. Everybody's looking at her, everybody wants to kill her. And what they're saying is, the law tells us to do this and we're gonna do it, and we're gonna do it with vengeance. We're gonna pay her back for her sin. And Jesus is calmly writing in the dust. And what he's doing in this moment is he is preparing in some way to completely alter the world's thinking of how God sees forgiveness. He's gonna change everything in this moment. And Jesus stands up after he does this and he looks around the crowd and you can tell, you can feel people going, What's he going to say? The dust is settling from the crowd coming in. Everybody's just kind of like, what do we do? They're carrying their stones. They're going to kill her in the temple, and they're just waiting. You know, say the word go, because all Jesus could do in this situation is say, you're right, Moses said it, kill her. Or is there another way? And what Jesus does is revolutionary. He looks at them, and he says this. Okay, you're right. That's what the law of Moses says. Let the one, any one of you, who is without sin, you throw first. Throw the first stone. Go ahead, any of you. And it says, one by one, the stones fell from their hands. And eventually, it was this poor woman standing alone with her Savior, Jesus Christ. No one was there who had no sin which echoes to what Paul said in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how religiously you follow a law, you could never do enough because, again, we're, we know sin isn't what you do. It's who you are apart from Christ. So Jesus knew this, and he knew they were sinful. And he's like, go ahead. Yeah, your law has her dead to rights. So you who are innocent, if you have no sin, throw the first stone. She had to be terrified thinking, okay, who's the first sinless person? Imagine with me what it was like when the first, and mostly I would guess one of the older guys dropped the stone first because the older you live, the more you realize how sinful you are. Just the sound of his rock, boom, in the dust. Everybody goes, what? You? And slowly when the crowd goes away, Jesus says, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and leave your life of sin. He forgave her. He forgave her. And she was, she was really guilty. She was caught in the act. And I think the thing is, is we love this story when it applies to um, our sin. When we're the woman, we love it when it's applied to us. We love when we can look and be like, yeah, I was so wronged and I was so ashamed and Jesus saved me. But here's the thing we don't like. We don't like it as much when it applies to those who have sinned against us. It's not as fun then. It's not as fun when we're the ones coming loaded for bear, you know, to, to come and accuse and put to death someone's reputation, and we're ready to, to, to bring the law and say, this is what you did. It's not as fun when it applies to someone else's sin. And the words of Christ apply to us, like you who has no sin, throw the first stone. And we're like, Oh, man, you totally ruined my rock-throwing party. Like, it ruins us. We don't like it as much when it's, when 
it's someone who sinned against us that Jesus forgives. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis's great apologetic work uh, to, to kind of unfold the Christian faith and some of the mysteries of it, in that book, C.S. Lewis says it this way, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Isn't this so good? Because everybody, you'd say, you know, I think forgiveness is a good thing. People are like, yeah, it really is. Except for Bill over there who deserves my wrath, right? We want to lay into them. And if your name's Bill, I apologize. I, I don't have a Bill that I'm mad at. But, um... I mean, I get some bills that I'm mad at this time of year. You're like, wow, that's the gas bill. I'm, I would like to throw a rock at that. But anyways, um, when, when it's someone else, it's really hard. Forgiveness is a great theory. It's a different practice. And that's what Lewis is driving at. He's, oh, oh. I think I'm gonna hug him when I get to heaven. I so appreciate his succinct way of saying it. Forgiveness, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. So here's what we have to do. We have to take a minute and realize that when we wrestle with forgiving others, we're actually in really good company. When you wrestle with forgiving other people, you're in good company. You actually stand among some of the great apostles who really wrestled with this. The, the apostle Peter, who Jesus said, your name is no longer Simon, your name is now Peter, Petros, rock, and on this rock, I will build my church, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. That is so awesome, and we're part of that great lineage. But Peter himself, the rock, Petros, he said this to Jesus. Quick question. This is my paraphrase. Quick question, Master. Um, if someone sins against you, should I maybe consider forgiving them like seven times because I've got a super big heart and I'm a really good person? That's Peter's motive in this is saying, tell me. How many times do I have to forgive someone who sins against me? I'll forgive them up to seven times. And Jesus ruins his question. Here's what, what happens. When Peter asks Jesus this question of, um, of how, many, how many times he has to forgive, what Jesus does is he turns around and he explains why he needs to forgive, but even more so, he explains, um, well, he tells him, a story, and this is the story. I'm gonna read it straight from the text. It's the words of Jesus. So let's uh, dig in and listen. It says this in Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. He's so putting on his good Christian clothes right now. He's like, because like in front of people, like here's what I'm willing to do, everybody. You know, I, he's just, it's awesome. I love this. Because it's so human. It's so us. It's like, let's put on our best. And uh, he does this. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, to which Peter was like, I was kind of nervous. It's a lot. He says, actually, um, 77 times. What? Well, actually, seven times 70 times. Wait, what? I, I'm not great at math, but that's like 400, maybe 490. Oh, I think I got that right. But um, so many times. And what Jesus is saying is you have to forgive an infinite number of times. Forgiveness, we'll talk more about it. Let me just read the text. I get too excited. Therefore, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So Jesus starts telling Peter the story that will paint a picture of forgiveness. Catch this. It's beautiful. He says this. He began the settlement 
as he began the settlement, a man who owed the king 10,000 bags of gold. (laughs) How much? I mean, that is just so much. 10,000 bags of gold. All right. Um, um, He brings him in. Since he was not able to pay, the king, the master ordered that he, his wife, his children, and all that he has be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, so this guy's out. He just, he just got forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. I would love to have an bag of gold, right? But 10,000, he, he's forgiven this. He walks out of the building and look what he does. He found one of his fellow servants who, ho- who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him, and said, pay back what you owe me, and he demanded this. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back, but he refused. Instead, he went off, and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went to their master and told him everything that had happened. Then the master called him in. Oh, this is the worst. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger... Now get this, this is the words of Jesus. In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owes. This dude just got all the 10,000 bags of gold added to it and he would work it off under the torturer in prison. And these are the final words of Jesus. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Oh, that is brutal. We need to hear this, church. This is really important. Jesus is saying this. And God is love, but God is just. And in his mercy, he calls out to us to be transformed into his image, which means this. By his spirit, we are transformed. And one of the hallmarks of it is forgiving is forgiving. It's not natural. It might be the most unnatural thing we do is to forgive someone who's wronged us, but it's like Christ. It's supernatural. It really does matter. Hear these words one more time from Jesus. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Forgiveness is an absolute necessity for the life of the believer. There is not a moment in the life of the believer where it's not a necessity. Forgiveness is a must. You can't live life and life to the full without forgiving just as Christ has forgiven you. You cannot live life and life to the full without forgiving as Christ has forgiven you. So I invite you, to be careful that you do not mistake this command as a suggestion and that you hear the words of Jesus in it and you hear the urgency in Jesus' voice when he's saying to his disciple 
whom he loves and who will set as the leadership model for the church the ethic of forgiveness. He says to Peter, never stop forgiving. And if Peter, the great apostle, the first head of the church, if he is called to it, we are called to it. Why? Because Jesus forgave first and he is the model. He is the author and perfecter of this all. He is the one who forgave us while we were yet sinners. We were sinners and dead in our sin when Christ died for us. Which means what? We weren't even sorry yet. And that's an important reality to unpack. There's a guy named uh, Nikki who says uh, in, in the Alpha series, talking about this, Nikki says it this way, forgiveness is a choice, but it's not an option. And I want to pause for just a minute, because in saying forgiveness is not a choice, uh, forgiveness is a choice, but it's not an option, it means this, at some point you will have to forgive if you're going to live freely. It's not optional. But it is difficult, and here's the reality of it. When Jesus says, you have to forgive your brother and sister from your heart, man, doesn't Jesus do that to us all the time? He doesn't care about the outside appearance. Um, There was, uh, I think it was Little Red Riding Hood, this play, uh, I think it was the middle school, it was the middle school, right, who did it, and one of the lines was this, I guess nice doesn't always mean good. Because the big bad wolf was nice, but he wasn't doing good things, right? I know a lot of people who have painted their facade really nicely. Hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. And inside of them is a bitter root of unforgiveness. And deep down, if given the chance to get even with you or to um, exact revenge on something, some of the sweetest people I know or have known come off so nice. I mean, literally, like Jolly Rancher, sweet. And then you get to the other side where they've hidden forgiveness, unforgiveness in their heart where they've hidden it in there, and all of a sudden you realize what's underneath that sweetness is actually monstrous. It's evil. And Jesus is saying, don't forgive them and look the part on the outside. You need to forgive them here first. Because as we've said over the last few weeks, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. The body will act. We need to understand, church, hear this. Forgiveness isn't an outward action. It's an internal breaking of our desire for vengeance and a submission to God's calling on our life to freely forgive even as we were forgiven. It is a choice, but it is not optional. So, I will say this. Your bag, this, this, this bag we carry, it is probably full of bricks of unforgiveness. Some things that are really hard and brittle and heavy and you carry them with you. And it becomes, well, it pulls you backwards sometimes. It slows your pace. It's actually deadly for the Christian life. We talked so much these past four weeks, five weeks, about um, what you need in your pack. But some of these heavy things that we carry with us, they are real. The, th- the reason we have to forgive them is real hurts happen. I do not want to diminish real hurts. They are there. I have them and you have them. But if we don't forgive, we carry them with us. 
and they are a bitter, heavy load to carry. And here's the problem. We have to live in the tension of forgiving people who may not be sorry. Their repentance, their sorry isn't dependent on you. You don't have to, you, they don't have to be sorry for you to forgive. And that may be like radically different for you. I would never forgive someone who isn't sorry. Why? Jesus did. Caiaphas wasn't sorry when he stood there mocking Jesus on the cross, but Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Why? Why? Because Jesus embodied what he came to do, forgiveness, reconciliation, church. We have to forgive even if they're not sorry. It's brutal. I super duper hate it, if I'm honest. One of the hardest things to do is forgive someone who won't look you in the eye, who doesn't care that they hurt you, they actually might be happy, and who thinks they were right in doing so. And for you to express forgiveness here, oh man, that is just, it's like being turned inside out. I super don't like it. Why? Because it's unnatural. But as Corey Tin Boom said to that Nazi guard who was so horrible in her like death camp experience, she said, I cannot forgive you, but thank you, Jesus, that I have your spirit, and so he can help me forgive you. That's it. They don't have to be sorry. We have to forgive because in doing that, they stop living rent-free in our head. They're out of our bag. This thing gets really light and manageable when we don't carry with it the bricks of bitterness and unforgiveness. Bitterness and unforgiveness, perfectly natural. Forgiveness, supernatural. Thank you, Jesus, for your spirit that I can forgive people who aren't even sorry. And I don't really need them to be sorry. I super want them to be. Let me make that perfectly clear. But I don't need them to be. Why? Because Jesus is my model. Jesus is my model. Why would what Jesus taught Peter be any different than what he's teaching me? How can I, with my, let's, let's change the language from 10,000 bags of gold to 10,000 bags of evil sin that I was forgiven of by Jesus like forgiven of, and he took pity on me and forgave me. And I walk out and say to that person, how dare they gossip about me? How dare they not think I'm awesome or say bad things about me? Who do you think you are? And it says he choked him. And you may think, oh, that seems really hard to remember what lives in our hearts, right? How dare I not forgive them as freely as I was forgiven? When we forgive, here's what we do. We have people move out of our head. They no longer live there rent-free. We forgive them. But here's what forgiveness isn't. It's not an all-access pass. Just because you forgive someone. I've forgiven a number of people in my life who have no access to my life anymore. I forgive them, but I have boundaries. I have boundaries. I'm wise, right? And that's normal. And we do that. And I encourage you, forgive people. And in forgiving them, you move them out of your head that where they live rent-free and may not even know it. And you move them out and you put up a boundary. And between your life and them, there is a boundary. And they don't get that access anymore. Why? Because you forgave them. You invited them in love to go ahead and leave. And you forgave and don't hold them against them, the evil they did. You give it to God and say, do with it what you will. But you're able to live freely. Boundaries are good. 
Forgiveness moves them out. So let's just pause one minute. Let's look back just real quick at the stories. Because we have this this woman caught in adultery and Jesus shows us that he will publicly defend us even in our shame. He will stand on our behalf and he's done that for you. You don't need to be under the shame of your sin if you're in Christ. But he also taught Peter that if you're in me, you are forgiving like me. For the rest of your life, you will forgive people. There will be people who hurt you all the time. But there was one whose scripture says, was wounded for our transgressions. So in that hope, we remember that there is someone who was injured because of our sins, and he forgave us. And then he said this, freely forgive even as I have forgiven you. That's my challenge. That's it. Lighten your load. you got a long journey of life ahead of you. Don't carry bitterness and unforgiveness. Freely forgive even as you have been forgiven. Lord Jesus Christ, we, your church, give you thanks, first of all, for the forgiveness we received in your name by your shed blood because you loved us and wanted us in relationship. So, God, today we confess we are sinners and we need you. And, Lord, for anyone who's in uh, watching this or viewing this who maybe never has um, offered the prayer of a sinner up, and their heart is pricked to be forgiven right now, God. I pray that you would encourage them to whisper the prayer, Father, forgive a sinner like me. And I trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that his death on the cross has secured my salvation. And I am one of his children from this moment on. And God, for those of us who have been Christians many years and carried unforgiveness, Help us unload the burden of bitterness that we carry so that we can walk freely and lightly the road you called us down. Forgive us, God, for not forgiving others and fill us with your spirit that we may learn to speak out those words. I forgive you, even if you're not sorry. God, may we as the church forgive those who've wronged us and live freely and lightly in the grace of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that sinner's prayer uh, wherever you are, and even if you prayed it just quietly in your heart, uh, nobody in the room with you right now knows, uh, it's okay. I remember when I got saved in August of 1994, a bunch of people went forward at the church to receive salvation. I received it two rows from the back with my hand quietly raised. I didn't run forward. It's just... I don't know why, I just did right there. And I realize not everybody needs to come forward. It's a moment in the heart, right? And I invite you, if you did pray that prayer, to um, catch up with Jeff, the venue pastor for our online church family. And he would love to process this with you. Uh, You need to process it. You need to take a minute and learn a little bit more of what just happened. You may feel free and light. You may be crying. I don't know what your response is. I just know this that um, that you probably have this moment of 
feeling like a burden's been lifted. And we would love to celebrate and cheer with you at the lifting of the burden of your sins and the hope that comes from that. And also helping you get into some relationships in this church that will help you grow in your faith. Um, Proverbs 10 verse 12 says, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers a multitude of wrongs. I am the son of a man who knew how to hang drywall. My dad, he was great at it, right? And um, I remember I, I messed up a cut one time and there was a gap and my dad said this to me. He, um, I said, oh, dad, I messed it up. I, I think we need to recut it. And he goes, no, no, brother, there's mud. And I was like, I don't know what mud is. I, was, I think I was in eighth grade and I was working with him and he said, no, we'll put some mud in there and then we'll tape it. And, um, and he said, that mud will cover that sin, that mistake, and he said, um, mud covers an abundance of sins, and I was like, I think that's biblical. I don't know what we're talking about anymore, Dad, but this is what he was saying. There will be moments in your life where you make a bad cut, you know, in drywall, and you'll need to use a little extra mud to cover it. Here's what grace is. Grace says that we are broken, but the love of God covers our sins like that drywall mud and tape covered the gap in that. And that was a lesson as a little boy I learned. That, uh, my, that my sins, it's not that they aren't there, it's that they're covered in the blood of Christ. And that's my hope for you, that you, you experience in some way the wonder of salvation and the hope of it, that you're forgiven, all of it. Now it's up to you to repent, so turn the other way and follow Christ. And to do that, we would love to be your church community and your church family, get you in a group and get you thriving in the Christian life, forgiving those who've wronged you, but also living into... Having those things present in your life that fill this bag. And that your bag in life would be light, but filled with the right things for the journey that's ahead. We are so thankful to be your church family and so excited to hear from you who prayed that prayer with us and also you who've forgiven others. We're excited for what God's doing. And remember, your sins have been covered by the blood of Christ. Now go and freely forgive just as Christ has forgiven you. As, as you go, uh, I don't know if you're gonna go or just turn this off. So as you go, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is time for the church to leave the building. So wherever you're at, you got to go out now. It's super snowy on this Sunday in Michigan, so you should probably bundle up. Grace and peace, friends. You're dismissed.